from Relay FM, this is Connected, episode number 61. Today's show is brought to you by Igloo, an internet you'll actually like, Fracture, photos printed in vivid color directly on glass, and Braintree, code for easy online payments. My name is Mike Hurley, and I'm joined by Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey, Mike. How you doing? I'm doing well. How are you this morning? I am very well indeed, and I also have Mr. Federico Vitici with me here, as always. Hello, Federico. Hey, guys. Big day today. Lots lots to talk about on the show docket today. Well, if you use a Mac, I guess. It is, yes, it is big, a big day. Big day for Mac users, huh? Well, it's strange to it's strange to consider that just a few years ago I used to be very excited about days like this. Now I just, you know, I just sit back and read what people have to say about Mac updates, OS 10 stuff. It's it's different. It's strange, you know. I should probably change the name of my website. <laughs> have you ever genuinely thought about doing that? I have thought about that. And usually my conclusion has been, I got to leave the name as it is, mostly as a reminder of where I come from. But I guess at some point I will have to consider this option more seriously. You know? I think it's one of those things, though, where when a name is around for such a long time, you disassociate the original thought of the name and just associated with what it is like when i read mac stories i just know what mac stories is i don't think it's stories about max yeah do you know what i mean yeah, i'm just i'm just wondering you know to the to the user coming from google search uh what does it look like you know you you find a website called mac stories but it's mostly about ios stuff well and... you still talk about mac stuff i think if you got rid of it do. You know, and also I think there's a universal acceptance among people that Mac means Apple. True. So you have websites like Mac Rumors, Nine to Five Mac. I mean, Apple News is mostly about iOS devices these days. But these websites, you know, they were born in a, in an age where the Mac was the dominant device, and now it's mostly iOS. But still, people associate you know Apple with the Mac. So I think it'll it'll continue to make sense for at least a few years. And again, I like to I like to look at the name and think about kind of my evolution in terms of Apple device usage and like my relationship with the Apple technology. So if only from a personal perspective to see kind of what it used to be and what it is now, it it still makes sense to me. Uh, maybe one day, you know, the, the Mac as a, as a word, uh, it won't make sense anymore, but that's not a problem to discuss today. I think you'd have to go so far different. Like you'd have to give it a completely new name, like nothing like Mac Stories, because there isn't really another nice sounding name yeah. for it. I think yeah. iPad problem. Stories doesn't sound good. Plus, exactly. I don't want to limit myself to the. As you said, you know, Mac is mostly general as a as a Apple like term. You know, I know a lot of people who just still say Macintosh in Italy just to mean whatever Apple makes, you know, mm -hmm. the Macintosh company to a lot of people. So um, I think I'm still good in, term, in terms of website name. Man, that, that was a divergent. No, well, I think it, it, you've done better going with Mac than putting a lowercase i in front of it. That oh, has yeah. aged out pretty yeah. badly, I think. Yeah, th interestingly, the Mac name there hasn't aged as quickly as the i did. Yeah, right. True. Should I call it Apple Stories? <laughs> oh, yeah. <my> <laughs> I think you would definitely get sued for that. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, and and that's like coming from you and I who have uh, eyes in the beginning of our Twitter handles for that reason. <laughs> yeah, I don't even I don't even think of it like that anymore. But it's I really wish it wasn't this way. I really really wish it was just Mike or anything. Change it out really. with a little U with the umlauts over it. German, German, uh, German I do I like. actually own, I believe, still at Mike Hurley. And I've considered many times to change it, but at yeah, this but it's, point, it's, part it's my your, personal brand, you know. Yeah, I was gonna say it's your, it's your person, it's what uh, people call you, I Mike, like on yeah. shows. So, yeah. so I kind of just, I have to. I, there's nothing I can do about it. Uh, Stephen, let's Hi. do some follow up. Yeah, so you guys ruined follow up this week by suggesting or uh, that people tweet at me and give us things for Federico to say in other languages. I wouldn't say ruined it. And I hope that someone uh, looked at these and that Federico's not going to be swearing at a, a whole region of humanity. Yeah, I'm sorry if I do. Yeah. We have some examples here. I think we're going to do three of them. Um, mm-hmm. So, Federico, I'm just going to turn this over to you and let you uh, okay. just uh, have that. Now, before we start, mm-hmm. have you practiced? Have you looked at these? Not at all. Just... Nope. Perfect. No, it, needs to be ge- it needs to be a genuine interpretation. I didn't. I didn't look it up. I didn't use Google Translate. You know the little microphone icon that lets you. Uh, I actually the little audio icon that lets you listen to the translation. So I have no idea what I'm about to say. I have no idea about the pronunciation. Uh, so let's just go for it. Uh, Patrick Rosenholm on Twitter uh, says, "Please make Vitici re- read." Okay, so this is Swedish. Mm-hmm. Uh, it means "Hi, how are you?" And it's, um, "Hey." <laughs> that is so terrible. I don't know why it's bad. I just know it's wrong. Hurrahlaget, <laughs> Mike. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Hurrahlaget um, to you too, my friend. <laughs> the second one, it's uh, Wally Kerkeboom. Oh, nice last what name. What a name. Kerkeboom. Wow. Oh. Uh, this guy's a boss. Um, my name is Mr. Kerkeboom. Kirkaboom. I like it. Uh, so, uh, second tweet, please get Federico to say, in his best Dutch, uh, Dutch are great people, you know, um, I don't know what it means, but it's Schwaningen. Sounds like Schwaningen's. I don't it's know. one Sh- of the Schwe- eight districts of The Hague, as, uh, as well as a sub-district of that city. Schwaningen. Did you just know that, or did you look it up? <laughs> no, I just know it. You know, I'm very, very well versed in, in these things these days, yeah. <laughs> So the next oh, one man. is, I would say Riles, but because it's a French person, maybe it's Relay. It's like Relay in French. Yep, relay. this is our French interpretation of ourselves. Mm-hmm. Relay. Um, so I gotta say, um, salut. Oh man, I'm trying to read this in English. Salutation mes amis de Montreal. Oh, that's probably. beautiful. I don't care if that was wrong. <laughs> Sorry, I guess it means uh, hi to my friends from Montreal. I guess that's what yeah, it means. That's not right. in, in Italian would be i miei amici, mesami in French, I guess. So that's about it. Keep sending tweets to ISMH on Twitter if mm-hmm. you have any. Re- I'm sorry, Stephen. If you have any requests for translation to make, you know, uh, connected, always on, worldwide. Um, that's what we do. We say hi. Probably. <laughs> Swear in other languages, but uh-huh. <laughs> please don't get upset. I checked them out, and they seem like they seem pretty good. Unless, okay. unless Wally Kirkaboom is is a is a that's like some kind of hidden 
swear word. Right. I, I kind of hope it is. <laughs> like not a real name, but no. like a joke. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When um when I worked at the Apple store, sometimes the closing shift we would do this is so terrible. We would do fake appointments in like the last couple <laughs> slots so we could get to our closing stuff early. And we always did like sort of jokey names. Uh and and then our manager caught on and then we just made up names that sounded real but were indeed fake people. It was great. Nice work. <clears throat> I apologize to anyone who tried to make an appointment and couldn't. We have, moving on, we have uh, uh, a question to uh, from uh, Mayock, Mayock to revisit uh, iCloud photo library. So we talked about this a while back. We haven't really talked about it since. Um, just wanted to check in and see who of the three of us are using it. And then is the performance better on iOS 9 than it was on iOS 8? On iOS 8, you'd go to like the photo picker and Instagram mm-hmm. or something and your phone would just sit there and kind of like think for a while and then let you select an image. Um, so I'm I'm not using it. I'm still using my Dropbox Finder system. Uh, I keep being drawn to photos. I feel like I might end up there at some point again, but for now I'm still in Dropbox and Finder. Um, what about you, Federico? I'm still using it every day. And in fact, it's gotten better with iOS 9. It's faster and more importantly, it shows what's uploading and how many megabytes or you know kilobytes if it's just a selfie uh, is uploading to the cloud at the bottom of the photos app there's like a percentage of completion and i'm using it every day it was fun- a fantastic exp- experience when setting up this iphone 6s that i bought last week i just signed into my iCloud account and it just a couple of hours it pulled down all my photos and videos um i love that i that i haven't been thinking about photos at all for the past few months i just take a picture and it's there in the Photos app. It's in iCloud. And I'm I'm very happy. I'm paying for iCloud. My storage has increased because of recent changes. And in fact, I'm convincing all of my closest friends to switch to iCloud. I told you this. I'm kind of evangelizing iCloud for a library to people. Um, it's a very nice experience. I'm not thinking about photo management anymore. It's just in iCloud. The only friction point for me at this point is that regularly I need to go through my photo library and delete screenshots. And I know that there's a few apps. In fact, I use some of those to get rid of screenshots. I use Screeny, which is an iOS app that lets me delete iPhone and iPad screenshots. So you can imagine for the website, I get quite a few screenshots in my library because of app reviews and that kind of stuff. And the problem is these apps tend to always miss some images. Like uh, if the resolution doesn't match, if maybe I work on a screenshot and I crop it and the resolution changes, the app cannot find it anymore. So the only management that I'm doing is going through my photo library and deleting these kind of images I don't want to keep. But for everything else, it's faster. I like that I see progress at the bottom of the app. And yeah, I'm a happy customer. Cool. What about uh? What about you, Mike? So, unbeknownst to me, uh, I only just turned on iCloud Photo Library like two weeks ago. I didn't know it wasn't on. Uh, I'm not really sure. So, what I thought was iCloud Photo Library was actually just Photo Stream, right? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow. Nice, Mike. I didn't know. I just assumed it was on, or maybe I had it on and turned it off, or something happened. But when I upgraded my uh iCloud storage. I put more storage in. I was in there. I was like, oh, oh, it's not on. I'll turn it on now. Um, and it's fine. I mean, I have no, obviously, no comments because I had nothing to compare it to because I wasn't mm-hmm. using it before. Um, I like that I can very quickly grab a photo on my Mac 
you know, like I take a screenshot yeah. or something and then I can just grab it on my Mac. Um, that's been very useful for me. Um, and also the the Photos app has been good to help me find some photos recently. Like I'm putting together this, this talk at the moment. I needed some pictures for a presentation and I was able to just find them by searching, right? Which was, mm-hmm. you know, I can search like San Francisco and it gives me what I need. Um, so, that, I mean, that was totally fine. I, I, aside from that, I don't really have much to say, which is probably good because it means at least it's just getting out my way and let me do whatever I need to do. Yeah. Um, but I'm not really using the Photos app and I haven't imported all of the pictures that I have in Dropbox yet. Maybe at some point I will, uh, but I don't need to do that right now. And I'm waiting until I'm at a scenario where my internet connection is faster so I don't have to upload them over my LTU hotspot because that would suck. Mm-hmm. Two points, Mike. Mm-hmm. Uh, first one it is super confusing to me that if you go into settings, photos and camera, there's still this bunch of options like legacy options for photo stream. I don't understand why there's both iCloud Photo Library and Photo Stream. I think if you turn on iCloud Photo Library, the photo stream stuff should just go away. No, it's the the setting is there just no, turn off. My feeling it should just go. It should or everything related to uh, photo stream should disappear from your settings, I think. That's what it should be. I s- I, maybe it's you know it's too much for me. I still don't understand the purpose of PhotoStream when I have the iCloud library. Anyway, the second point is it's quite interesting to me uh, the 3D Touch menu that Apple added to the Photos app in the home screen. So you can 3D Touch the icon and you get the most recent shortcut. So it brings you to the latest photos, favorites, one year ago, and search. And one year ago is interesting because it's not a feature of the Photos app. It's a search filter. So you can look for photos taken uh, around the same time last year. And it's interesting to me that Apple isn't taking you to a specific section of the app, just a feature that's possible if you search in the right way. And I guess it kind of suggests that people don't really know that they can search for photos. But one year ago makes for a... uh, you know, the kind of filter that's easy to understand, it's right there. You don't need to open the app and type one year ago. It's You can just 3D touch the icon and it brings you to, you know, this kind of like a diary that lets you view old memories and stuff. And this used to be one of my favorite features of Everpix, uh, Picture Life. Gosh, remember those services? Uh, now it's right there in the Photos app. It doesn't show you just photos from the same day, so it kind of takes you to the around the same period from last year, but it's been useful to me, you know, to find all photos taken in the same period. It Right now it's showing me photos from October 11th to October 15th from last year. So I guess it pulls, uh, you know, like a week. I don't know. It's useful. And it's interesting that they're using these in the, in the home screen, I think. So there you go. Yep. Uh, so that's, uh, that's photo stuff. Um, we had a lot of people write in and, and tweet about control center customization. And uh, Federica, I think you had some thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, I saw this on Twitter. Um, a lot of people saying you should be able to use 3D Touch to customize or at least have more menus or more toggles in the control center when you press firmly on the display. And I agree. I think for all the customization that Apple is now doing across iOS and watchOS, Control Center, you know, the idea is you should be able to access uh, commonly used settings real quickly. But, you know, these settings are not the same for everyone. Perhaps I want to have the flashlight and I want to have the rotation lock. Maybe someone else wants to have quick access to another specific setting for personal hotspot or cellular data. Or, you know, they want to turn some accessibility option on and off. 
And I wouldn't be surprised, or at least I'm hopeful, that in iOS 10 you will be able to say, I want to have access to this menu, or at least let me press with 3D touch on an icon to have an additional kind of nested menu. Uh, so if I press on the rotation lock, I can say, okay, I want to lock my device in portrait mode, but when there's a video, just put the video in landscape because I prefer landscape. So I think Control Center was a good idea with iOS 9. Now it needs to be expanded and maybe 3D touch or, you know, there's still a setting screen in the settings control center. It's mostly empty. They could use that screen. They could also use 3D Touch to customize the menus that are shown. Uh, that's on my list for iOS 10 next year. But I don't want to think about, you know, there's going to be iOS 10 next year because it means another review and I just feel sick if I think about another review at this point. Still, it needs to be done. <laughs> Make you laugh. No. Why are you laughing, Mike? <laughs> Uh, I like the idea of you being already terrified about the fact that yes. there's a review due next year. Yes, very much. I'm just, you know, June next year, writing another review. Oh, my God. Um, still, and, and I, make, I made a note in the document. Imagine 3D Touch for notifications, too. Like, more actions, more menus. Um, I mean, 3D Touch is clearly here to stay. And they can only do more at this point. So control center and notifications could be, you know, possible candidates for more menus, more options. Power users love options. So give us options and we'll be happy. It needs to be power users only because otherwise iOS is going to get too confusing. It's going to be like Windows yeah. 8 or something. All up yeah. in there. So um, I had a bunch of differing feedback about 3 and the feel-at-home service. You remember last week we were talking about our carrier situations and I mentioned that I was looking to switch to 3 because they had unlimited data at a good price and I could also use that data when overseas for free. Um, I have had so much uh, feedback that is completely different in all regards. Uh, people telling me that 3 is awesome, people telling me that 3 sucks, people telling me that Feel at Home is awesome, and people telling me that Feel at Home sucks. And I think part of the problem is 3 are maybe, if you're thinking in American terms, a little bit more like T-Mobile or Sprint. They don't have the best coverage everywhere, but where they have coverage, it's good. So I was doing some tests at the LTE speeds um, at home, and I could get about 20 or 30 down over LTE. Um, on three but on ee at the moment at home i can get 80 down which is just mm. horrific crazy yeah um now my understanding is at some point over the next 12 months uh three are going to get access to this new 800 megahertz spectrum which will increase their speeds also um ee has always been at the front of the 4g stuff if you remember way back probably in the prompt days uh i was talking about ee because they were the first 4g carrier that we had um, so I need to do some more testing. I need to do some more testing at home. But the key thing that I'm going to do is I'm going to be in America next week, so I'm going to take my 3SIM with me and see what I can get because I need good speeds. I don't necessarily need LTE, but I need good speeds, and I also would like to be able to use tethering, um, and I don't think I'll be able to do that. So I'm going to give that some more tests, and then I'll make my decision. If not, I will cancel the plan in the first 30 days and try and get my current carrier to give me a bit of a better deal. Mm -hmm. You should start a, a carrier podcast. Cool. Talk the about spectrums. Mm. Oh, talk I'm about all megahertz. about spectrums. Megahertz, gigaflops, <laughs> that kind of stuff. 
Yeah. Just each week just ends in the host just sort of sobbing into Skype quietly, and then the, the audio just cuts out. And it's just one episode. It's just one episode. <laughs> yeah. You can't take it any longer. <laughs> and you could just keep doing it every week because it will never change, right? You just keep playing that same episode at week on week out. Uh, Ricardo wrote in with a good suggestion. Uh, there was somebody. Oh, look I can't at you! Nice, who... nice accent, Mike. What Ricardo? Ricardo is an yeah, an Italian name also. I'll do my nice best. Nice one. Uh, he wrote in with a great suggestion. There was somebody who asked last week about um, getting a quick dictionary definition in iOS, and they suggested setting up uh, a dictionary definition in Launch Center Pro and then putting it behind the 3D Touch menu. Yeah, so that's pretty good. So you just 3D Touch, you hit the button, it will open up Launch Center Pro, throw up a dialog, you type in the word, and it will go off and do a definition. It's not necessarily the most elegant, but at least it's a quick way, and it's somewhere it will always be there on your home screen. Are you guys using Launch Center Pro on your on your device? Uh, yes, but I pretty much. I mean, I'm I'm still deciding what I'm going to do with it long term with the 3D Touch stuff because I'm not sure it's that useful to me. But I uh, I've always used Launch Center Pro mainly as a launcher for Google Docs. Mm-hmm. Um, and since they put this extension, and so the uh, Today widget in, it has changed everything for me. So I have all of the show documents in Launch Center Pro in the Today extension and you tap it and it just directly opens the google doc it doesn't even open launch center pro anymore um so or even the google drive app because google changed quietly their um callback url stuff and now Mm -hmm. you can directly open google sheets and google docs previously you had to open it via the google drive app but you don't do that anymore you can use uh, i think it's google docs and google sheets colon slash slash and then the url of the document and it opens it straight to the Google Docs or Google Sheets app on iOS. So I just have a row, I have like a block of 12 icons, which are all Google Docs stuff. Uh, and I can just hit those and it opens me right into that app. So that's what I use Launch Center Pro for now. Oh, nice. I, I had no idea about the about the URL scheme changes. I found it by accident. Thanks for the tip, Mike. That's a, that's a Mikey tip. You continue to provide... Uh, welcome amounts of life hacks on a weekly basis. That's what I'm all about. That's what I'm all about. And last piece of follow-up this week, uh, Hakan has uh, wanted to comment, Federico, uh, this is a real-time follow-up, that your Swedish was perfect. You you correctly pronounced the (laughs) Swedish, which I cannot believe you managed to do. Let's see. Uh, I I can go live in in Sweden and I will be fine. I will be able to communicate, mostly with how I were you, but that's a start. That's all you need. Yeah. All right, let me take our first break this week and thank Braintree for sponsoring this week's episode. Braintree, code for easy online payments. If you're a mobile app developer, you should be checking out Braintree. Braintree is the payment solution used by companies like Uber, Hotel Tonight, Airbnb, Living Social, Munchery, and many, many more. Braintree has made the payment experiences in these apps seamless and magical, and now you can add a similar experience to your own app too. With excellent customer service and simple integration, Braintree gets you ready to receive payments quickly and easily. Braintree's continuous support plus fast payouts means you'll be prepared as your company grows from your first dollar to your billionth. Braintree is also helping solve the problem of mobile cart abandonment by offering a best-in-class mobile checkout experience, and they can make payment experiences in some of your favorite apps seamless and 
magical. Now, you can add a similar experience to your own app as well. Braintree will give you a full-stack payment solution, support for all payment types that your customers might want, including PayPal, Apple Pay, Bitcoin, Venmo, cards, and way more, all with just a single integration. It's across all platforms with you, with superior fraud protection and their fantastic customer service and those important fast payouts. To learn more and for your first $50,000 in transactions fee-free, go to braintreepayments.com slash connected so uh, a lot of a lot of news uh this week from apple um but we want to talk real quick since mike you and i are both on the show about the uh the relay fm app yes so the uh we, we got some links in the show notes one to a page on our site one to uh the app itself in the uh, ios ios app store and then one to our developer TapJet. the uh, the idea behind the app is it's all built around notifications for live streaming so shows like our show connected uh we're, we're streaming live right now and you can you can listen on our website and uh there's a irc uh, irc uh chat room embedded on the website but that you had to kind of know when we were doing it right you had to either follow us on twitter or kind of be around and with the app if you have the app installed you can get a push notification and you can listen in the app uh just directly and um, so far, it's been it's been a lot of fun to have more people listening live, and it's really easy to go through and hit a little notify on the shows that you want. And uh, for shows that don't stream live, you can listen to uh, past episodes, and you can see show notes, and all of that's kind of in there all in one place now. Yeah, we're really happy with it, and it's been amazing to work with TapJet. But they have this system, which is kind of unbelievable that it exists, where uh, they we, we have an app, but all of the content in the app is controlled by a series of text files in Dropbox. It's madness. So like, for example, today before the show, we put in a whole new section into the app, which has a list of all of our shows, and you can go in and and set your notification options or subscribe to certain shows just in a big list where previously, well, and there still is a list of episodes when you open, but then you can slide across to the shows tab and you can see them all there. Now, we were able to do that without having to submit the app for another review or anything like that. So we can add new features like this and new content really, really easily. And that's the power of the TapJet system. And we have a lot more stuff that we want to do with the app. Um, We want to put live chat in there that is on our radar. Um, We want to do more stuff with the Apple Watch and actionable notifications, which I know is something that Federico wanted. We've got a lot of stuff that we want to do. Uh, We're very happy that it has Split View and Safari View Controller. We made sure that they were a priority considering when we were releasing. But I think for just our 1.0, I'm really proud of what we've been able to to do along with TapJets and our great designer, Forgotten Tal, on Twitter. They've done just an incredible job, and we're really happy with it, and I think people seem to be pretty happy with it on the whole. Yeah, I did I did want to kind of address one thing. There's, um, uh, there's an interview that Marco did on Core Intuition a couple weeks ago. We can, we can throw that link in the show notes as well about uh, like podcasting as a uh, sort of as a medium and and he believes like Mike like you and I believe that podcasting is best when it's open by its very nature all it really is is an RSS feed with mp3s attached and um, our app is not a walled garden for our content in fact we worked very hard to make it very easy if you discover a new show that you like to subscribe in your podcast uh, app of choice. You actually can't see much of our back catalog on purpose to get you into an app like Overcast or Pocket Cast or Castro or the the Apple stuff. Yeah, and um, you can't download anything either. It's all streaming. It's all streaming, and that that was done very intentionally because 
those apps are all really good, and and we believe you should listen to our shows right alongside all of your other podcasts you enjoy. And uh, so this is really built around listening live, getting a notification, and jumping into the stream as the show is being recorded. Um, and yeah, it's it's we're super proud of it, super happy. Tapjet, their technology and and the team behind it are just have been amazing to work with. Um, and so yeah, so go go check it out in the in the app store, and if you like it. Um, uh, tell your friends, leave a review, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, and let us know um, on Twitter and, and over email and stuff the types of things you want to see and, and so we know the kind of stuff you're interested in. Like that, the idea of having the notifications view kind of in the shows panel came from user feedback, right? So that's that's really mm-hmm. important to us so we know exactly the type of stuff you want because we really do want this to be a great experience so we can have more people listening live because it's fun and, and we like doing it. Indeed. There was something that I wanted to bring up, just a random thing. Um, I saw Joshua Topolsky tweet over the weekend about the, and his tweet, and I'll read it verbatim. At what point can we talk about this awful, badly placed, yet badly needed back button in iOS? And that really struck a chord with me. I wanted to talk about it. So the new kind of iOS 9 back button is a fantastic addition, right? So this allows you, you're in one app, you go out to another, either by a link or by a notification that comes in, you tap it, you go to another app, do what you need to do, and it says back to X, whatever the app is, and you just tap it and it takes you back to the app that you were in. I use it a ton. It's actually one of my favorite features of iOS 9 because, you know, as I said many times, one of the reasons that I love Chrome is because it has the callback URL stuff in and tons of apps that I use support that. But now that's not really so much of an issue anymore because it's super easy for me to go backwards and forwards between pretty much any app. However, this is one of the worst pieces of UI placement in iOS because whenever you have that there, it hides information like your signal strength or whether you're connected to Wi-Fi. And then with deep linking, it's where kind of, you know, you click on a link in a a web browser, maybe to Twitter, and it opens a Twitter app. It then puts another piece of UI on the top right-hand corner where you would have, like, your battery life and stuff like that with a link to the actual website, like, say, to twitter.com. So you end up in a scenario sometimes where everything in the status bar is hidden. And I think that... I don't I don't have a solution myself as to you know what kind of fixes this. I just know that what this is isn't very nice to look at. And I feel like maybe there could have been a way to push the information further to the right like so it's like pretty much touching the clock which isn't necessarily simple or might not look better but at least you don't lose the information. Because sometimes you can be sitting in an app for like 10 minutes or whatever and it still says back to sweetbot at the top. And I, I don't really think that that is the best way to present this information, yeah, and I, I agree. I think that's I think that's a good point about the the covering up of the UI. And I mean, I think the back and front, like I know what I'm doing, and I can kind of get lost in there of like, wait, where was I? Where do I want to go? It's I agree with you. I think it could be better presented, but I don't I don't have a solution for it either. It's it's problematic because there's utility in you know being able to return to the previous app yep. or. Uh, go into the web version of a universal link. It's just where else would you put it? Would you double the height of the status bar? So, like when you are on a phone call and you click the home button, you get a you know a taller status bar that has a label at the bottom. Would you do that for you know every time you open an app from another app? So you're basically using uh, you know iOS nine with the uh, double status bar all the time. Uh, what else would you do? Would you do it above the keyboard? And it's you know. The problem is, status bar. It's it's the only 
piece of UI that's shared uh, by the system and apps. So of course, Apple went with the status bar to include different, you know, shortcuts to apps and, you know, to Safari. Uh, I don't know what the solution is. I wonder if they should try to be more, you know, clever about it, uh, especially on the iPad, uh, where there's the space, you know, to fit, you know, carrier information, signal, battery information. Instead, you end up with these shortcuts uh, on the left and on the right, and the status bar on the iPad is mostly empty. Uh, so on the iPad, they could have done things a little differently. On the iPhone, I don't know. Uh, would you put those shortcuts uh, above the keyboard? Would you just bring them up with 3D Touch? But that would, you know, conflict with 3D Touch in apps. So I don't think there's a, a solution, and I and I guess this is just one of those one of those things we need to learn to live with. Um, you know, I don't know what they could do. I just know that I love it. You know, to be able to tap a button and go back to the previous app. Uh, I hope it doesn't go away. I guess they will they will try to ch- kind of change it you know little tweaks I don't know how so it's an interesting discussion for if only from a design perspective uh-huh. yeah I mean you can see that this is the type of thing that they I'm sure was agonized over like how do you yeah. solve this problem and it might end up being that the best and only way to do it is this but then it's like this is you know my my ongoing kind of thing that I keep thinking about right now is the addition of features and stuff like that and the the added complexity and it's like you are now at this point iOS is now at a maturity point where to add new stuff to hit to it you have to kind of break what's already there because you're working within the constraints you've set for yourself so like Apple haven't got a place that they can put this button right like on Android there is a button like it's just a persistent button with a software or hardware that does this thing. And so it's easier for them to do that because it was built into the system. But now Apple's in a scenario where they don't have that. They don't want buttons, right? Software or hardware that are like fixed to, to a certain position. So now they're in this unfortunate scenario where all you can do is hide important information, which potentially isn't the best thing to do. And and I, I think that with the larger phones that we have, Doubling the status bar height probably isn't the hardest thing or the worst thing to do, but then the issue is not everybody has these uh, five, six, basically, inch screens in front of them. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's a difficult one. Yeah. All right, so, Federico, you mentioned that you have a new iPhone, uh, so we mm-hmm. want to talk about that. You finally got your hands on a 6S. And, of course, there was new iMac news that came out today. Uh, let's take a break quickly, and then we'll jump straight into talking about those devices. Uh, this episode is brought to you also by Igloo, the internet that you'll actually like. If you are currently in the situation where at work you're looking at an internet and it makes you sad every day because it looks like it was built decades ago by people that don't actually seem to like you or even understand how your business works, you should be trying out Igloo. Igloo allows you to make your internet feel like a place you will actually want to work in. And this is because you can work with Igloo wherever you want. You can work on any type of device. It's all features responsive design, so it looks fantastic no matter where you want to use it. You can use your Igloo intranet on your phone, on a tablet, on a Mac or PC. As long as you can get yourself to a web browser, you can 
look at it. So you can be working at home, you can be working at a client's site, you can be working in the office on your regular desk if you like. You'll be able to get your igloo wherever you want. It's also surprisingly configurable. You can give it the look and feel that you want to, to display maybe a company or a team. And talking about teams, you can set up little areas within your igloo called group spaces, which have uh, permissions to different parts of and different features and different parts of the system depending on that team. So for example, if the accounting team need the document preview engine but they don't need the live blog functionality, you can just switch th certain things off, certain things on, and maybe the sales team need the opposite and you can do that for them as well. You can reorganize the whole platform to fit exactly how each of the individual teams work within your company. You can also integrate it with services like Box, Google Drive, and Dropbox all into their easy to secure platform. This stops people from spreading documents into their own accounts and and it keeps everything all within one secure and safe place. You can also share files with your coworkers using Igloo's own document collaboration engine, which also features red receipts, so you can see exactly who has read the most critical information to keep everyone on the same page. It's time to break away from the internet you hate. Go and sign up for Igloo right now, and you can try it out for free with any team of up to 10 people for as long as you like. Sign up right now at igloosoftware.com Connected. Thank you so much to Igloo for the continued support of this show and Relay FM. So, Federico, you have got yourself a 6S. Have you left the Plus Club? No. Um, I just couldn't make a reservation for a 6S Plus last week. I really wanted to buy a, a, a new iPhone to try 3D touch and live photos. My girlfriend told me. Uh, I wanna I wanna upgrade to the 6s as well. So we came up with a plan. I'm gonna use the iPhone 6s for a week, and then this Friday I'm going to the Apple Store and I'm buying a 6s Plus for me, and I will give the iPhone 6s to my girlfriend. Um, that's how that's you know that's what we do. Uh, she she cooperates with me on these crazy plans. Um, do you want to know about the experience of buying an iPhone this year, Mike? Because I told you last year there was yelling guy who didn't understand the concept of lines and reservations at the Apple Store. I would this love to year, know what it was like. This year was much, much quieter. You know, uh, fewer people. And I was chatting with an Apple uh, Store employee and he told me uh, we had so many people make a reservation this year because people are starting... I guess Italian people are starting to catch uh, catch on to the fact that you can just comfortably make a reservation and just go there and pick up an iPhone whenever you want. And it showed me uh, a list on the uh, easy pay devices that they have, uh, a list of reservation. It, it was a huge, huge list. And Yeah, I saw that as well. Basically, everyone is now making a reservation online. They go in at different times. So instead of having like 300 people in the morning and, you know, having those people stay in line throughout the entire morning until lunchtime, which is when I went last year, they have smaller packets of people throughout the day. So like 20 people all day waiting for a reservation, which is much uh, quicker. You know, I waited in line for like 10 minutes. There's no big scene of yelling people who don't understand reservations and want to buy an iPhone right now. And it's basically a constant churn of people making reservations, go there, pick up an iPhone, leave. Uh, so that was very nice. You know, I was offered espresso and a croissant uh, while waiting in line. That's such, you know, Italian Apple style. I like that. Um, I'm in love with 3D Touch. 
It's really, really nice. I now understand what people were talking about. You know, the haptic feedback, uh, the the new vibrator inside the iPhone. It's much, much better than the one in the six plus. It was too, um, the six plus one was too loud. Now I can plug what, my phone in when my girlfriend's sleeping and not be scared that I'm yeah. gonna wake her up. Yeah, it's not like a like a like a like an airplane taking off anymore. Uh, it's very nice. Uh, I'm in love with the shortcuts on the home screen. I'm still learning all the different ways that I can save time by navigating into different sections of my apps. One that I'm using a lot is um, um, I'm using this version of a uh, of a uh, Newsify, which is an RSS reader. Let me jump into my unread list. Uh, directly. I'm also using the App Store uh, search and redeem um, shortcuts a lot because, you know, I'm always searching for apps or redeeming codes and that's a useful shortcut. And also Safari, I love that I can 3D touch and open a new tab directly from from a home screen. And also the messages shortcuts to jump into a specific conversation that's terrific because every time I go pick up my girlfriend at class, I can just 3D touch the messages app jump straight into our conversation and say that I'm waiting. So that's very nice uh, shortcuts to save time on the home screen. I have to say, though, I am 100% baffled as to the people it picks. Why? Then it doesn't seem like there's any logic to it. I think it's on my most recent conversations. It's not for me. So my Hmm. most recent conversations were Stephen, my mom, Gray, and my dad. But then when I go into the 3D Touch, it's Stephen, Gray, and Matt. Like, I haven't spoke... Are, me and Matt haven't exchanged an iMessage since Friday. Hmm. Doesn't make any sense to me, like, how they pick them out. Stephen, are they are they any kind of order for you? Do they make any sense for you? Let's see. I never actually used it. Um, yeah, so it's... So what's interesting is that uh, right now it's... Mike, it's you, it's two local friends, and then Sean Block. Sean Block and I have a phone call scheduled every Tuesday after Connected. And so I wonder that if it know it, it knows that Sean is on my calendar for an hour and a half from now, and it's putting him there like... Huh. Uh, uh, like a proactive shortcut. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I don't know. I don't know. It seems to be like a mix of what it thinks I want and who I've talked to recently. Um, yeah, it seems to be trying to guess what's what I want. So, um, speaking of 3D Touch, I'm using the peak and pop gestures a lot in apps that I'm trying. Uh, I really, it's two things. They're useful because I can preview a web page without having to do the whole Safari with controller dance with the dumb button in the top right. Or I can preview uh, images, so I get a bigger preview. I can preview conversations. And I, it's not just that they're useful, they're also nice in the hand, like they feel very nice to kind of like peek and pop. I, I don't know, it's the combination of the visual effects, the, the haptic feedback, but it's just, it's just nice for me to do that. So I'm doing that a lot. And I kind of wish that developers were able to use the custom gestures, like the side gestures that you can see in mail. So in mail, when you peek a message, you can swipe up to see a list of menus, but you can also swipe to the left and you get these icons, like a side menu. And I haven't seen any developer do that. And I guess that it's not an open API. So developers can do the little list at the bottom, but they cannot do the custom icon and menu uh, on the side. So I I, I wish that Apple kind of opened that, opened that up to developers in the next release. Um, Touch ID. 
super fast, as you guys said, I can only confirm. But for me, it's so it's it's so fast that it's becoming a problem because every time I want to look at my notifications in the morning, the iPhone just unlocks. So I know I can hit the power button. I know I can use a different finger, but seriously, years and years of muscle memory of just reaching up with, with my thumb quickly enough not to unlock my iPhone and now it unlocks instead, that's just, you know, a problem because I'm just used to it. And so what I what I'm doing now is I'm opening notification center instead if I want to catch up on all my notifications, or, and this is the part that I don't like, I just unlock my iPhone and then I go you know hunt around for badges uh, on my apps and see manually everything that's new. That's not a good experience, but I also love the fact that Touch ID is so fast that it you know I can get in and out of my lock screen and home screen really fast. So what I'm wishing for next year is a way to just press any part of the screen like with 3D touch to kind of wake the iPhone. So don't let me use a different finger. Don't let me reach to the power button to wake up the screen. Just let, let me press the display to kind of like poke my iPhone and say, hey, wake up, I need to see the lock screen. Uh, I don't know from a, from, if from a energy consumption that would be a problem to always be able to 3D touch the screen even when it's off to just wake it up. But I, I think it would be nice, you know? Uh, it's kind of like grabbing someone's attention, just <laughs> pressing the screen to say, wake up, show me what's new. Um, yeah, I know. That I'm pretty sure there are some Android phones where you can like tap the screen to wake the screen. I, I know I've seen stuff like that. That doesn't feel like something that would would be uh, impossible to do. I feel, and I feel like yeah. you could run that on a really, really low power mode. Yeah, I don't know. Um, what else? Live photos, really nice. Uh, I the the the, the frame rate is kind of low, which makes them feel more like gifs with audio. They're super nice to see extra details in photos. When I was shoot, you know, taking a picture, there's the before and the after. And that's a problem, at least right now, maybe because it's still new. I'm learning for how long I need to keep, you know, uh, taking the picture so it doesn't end up with a shaky ending. I know that iOS 9.1 has like a, like a new mode that basically cuts off you know, the live photo if you're just putting your iPhone down while still the live photo is still going. Uh, right now I'm just paying extra attention to holding my iPhone upright even after I took a picture because I know that the live photo is is still ra- running. Yeah, um, it seems to be like really random before or after for me. I know it's meant to be like 1.5 seconds before yeah. and the same after, but I feel like it's sometimes not like that. Um, so I have no idea as well. So I'm looking forward to it being fixed for me because so many of my photos, when they're live photos, now end in the phone moving in an erratic way at the end. Mm. Now, Mike and Stephen, mm. the, the the core part of this conversation, the 6S is too small for me. I really want an iPhone 6S Plus. I'm used to the uh, the Plus size. I'm a happy member of the... Plus Club, uh, Mike was right, whatever, Mike. Uh, I I really miss, you know, the extra screen space, the extra battery, and the idea that, I'm, that I have this big phone and it shows me big web pages, big photos. So I'm going to buy a 6S Plus this weekend. And I wanted to tell you this. I think this year I may go with the gold model. Uh, okay. I want to buy a gold iPhone. Um, well, I need to know why, because... I seriously considered it. 
and this is gonna sound stupid and I don't mean to sound like a jerk but I think it's more of a show-off and I like that. <laughs> you like to be a bit flamboyant over there, buddy, huh? <laughs> I, I like that I, that, that I have a gold iPhone. And I know that it's not really gold and I know that it costs the same and I know that people say it's tacky, but it makes it feel um, luxurious, maybe. I don't know. It makes it feel cool in my mind. And every time you I look... You are having the exact same thought process that I had but ended up chickening out and getting the, the white uh, silver... I don't think I want, uh, and I was realizing this, I spent the past few months with a white um, iPhone 6 Plus, I, I, and I was thinking, yeah, I want to go back to the black iPhone, you know, because iPhones have always been black for me. Actually, I miss the white iPhone. Uh, I don't know what it is, I don't, maybe it's just different, maybe it's the fact that the iOS interface, which in many apps is white, kind of blends with the, with the body of the device. Uh, I don't know what it is, uh, but I know that I'm looking at the gold iPhone and I'm like, that really looks cool. And I, and I kind of want an iPhone that looks different, that kind of... This is going to sound stupid to a lot of people, that kind of makes more of a statement. Um, I don't know how best to explain this. It just looks nice to me. And it looks like, oh yeah, that's a gold iPhone, you know? And it's interesting that I'm treating the iPhone not just as an electronic device, but also as kind of an accessory, kind of like the watch. Um, probably not going to make sense to a lot of people, but yeah, I think I'm going to buy a gold iPhone. <laughs> I'm going to be the guy with a gold iPhone. I just need to accept that. I think that's fine. I mean, fine. whatever. <laughs> You're going to yeah. go with a case or are you just going to go flat no. out gold it? No, no, just no case. Uh, I, I want to touch the gold, you know? Yeah. <laughs> it's not really gold, but, you know, <laughs> leave me at least with this idea. Okay. It, it's I interesting. Um, I I didn't really think about going to the back to the smartphone. I, like you guys really prefer the Plus for a whole bunch of reasons. Um but there, there's a review on Tools and Toys a Day by Josh, uh, Josh Ginter talking about going back to the success from the Plus. And, uh, you know, again, to, to our point over and over, it's just nice to have options. And uh, there's trade-offs with each, right? Like like Josh talks about in his review, the Plus is a little more difficult to hold for some people. Or, you know, Michael, you've talked about it a lot. You kind of do all these like weird hand tricks and you sort of mm -hmm. like trust the phone to do certain things like, you know, if you, you kind of jimmy your hands back and forth. But uh, for me, the, the camera and the battery life are worth that trade off. And I think it is for you guys too. But um, yep. and I, I thought I'd point out somebody who moved the other direction and who, who seems to be liking it. Uh, so yeah. It, it, it's good to have options. I see a lot of guys here with a, with a rose gold iPhone and the, the, the awful, trend that i saw on twitter people calling it the bros gold iphone that's catching on here as well <laughs> i heard people saying bros gold like men saying bros gold why would you say that uh but yeah i see a lot of men with the with the rose gold iphone actually um and you're thinking you're thinking standard gold right no no, no i like gold i don't really like the rose gold it's like uh, light copper, you know. I I yeah. don't mm -hmm. I don't like it. Um, I, I instead I just love the gold color of the iPhone. I have a a close friend of mine here. She has a gold uh, iPhone six. Uh, I really like it. And in fact, she uses a, a transparent case 
which if I ever decide to go with the case again, uh, I may pick up a transparent one, one of those third-party cases. Uh, and she told me exactly what I was thinking. I just want to protect my iPhone, but still uh, show it off because it's a gold iPhone. And if I ever decide to go with the case, uh, I'm going to use a transparent one. So you're making me think that I, if you do it, you may give me the confidence to go gold seven. <laughs> because for me, even like just I, I, what I really like about the gold is the gold ring around the, the, the home button. That's my favorite yeah. thing. So I could still wear it with a case with all the colors that I like and still have the gold. I think the gold accent is really, really good looking. So we just got my mom an iPhone 6. Just a standard 6 because it's free basically now with uh, upgrade. And um, she got a white and silver one, and she was moving for a 5C. Um, and we and uh, I was holding it today, and I was like, this is a great size. Like, that size, that iPhone 6 size is fantastic, because it feels really small in the hand. It feels comfortable. Um, I really like it, but I couldn't, I couldn't go back to... Well, I couldn't go to a 6, because I love the screen i love all the information i can get on the screen like the 6 is more comfortable than the 6 plus naturally but i can get by with the 6 plus very easily in my situation like i'm fine with it but i couldn't give up that that all of the screen space that i get and yep. the battery man I, I i'm really feeling a better battery with this thing um it's lasting way longer for me i haven't got like numbers but I'm I'm never charging this phone, so it's really great. I mean, I know that comes with refreshing the phone, you end up with more battery, but I'm definitely feeling it again, which is good. Uh, and one thing I did want to mention, we got you saying about Case Federico. I was looking on Amazon to get my mum a case, and we just found this one. You'll find it if you look on Amazon. It's a clear back, but a white bumper. It looks hmm. nice. Looks really nice. Hmm. So that, I mean, that's a way to do it. So you get the bumper, um, and then it's just clear on the back because she wanted to be able to see the silver in the same way that you want to yeah. see the gold. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good, gotta say. Yeah. Send me the link, Mike. Yeah, I'll try I'll dig it up and I'll I'll put it in the show notes because now I said that people will want me to, to find to put it in there. Um and there was one piece of uh real time follow up as well that I wanted to just mention before we move on, uh, which I hadn't thought of before. And Mike on Twitter uh tweeted at the Real FM account and said that we're better than Beats One because we have a streaming schedule <laughs> in our app. <laughs> So you're literally worldwide, always yep. on, always on, and always schedule. scheduled. <laughs> yeah, uh, very nice, Mike. I saw people on Twitter commenting on the app and the notifications and the schedule. Well done. I'm a, I'm a fan, Mike. It's nice, and uh, it's something that Stephen suggested. What I really like uh, is it does like kind of natural language on the date. So when it's today, it says today. Also, it's in your own time zone as well, so it's better than the one we have on the website. The one we have on the website is just Eastern time, so. That, that works really nicely because you can get the times uh, in the app, which is cool. Um, all right, let me take uh, our last break and then we'll talk about the new iMacs and new input devices that came out today. Uh, this week's episode is also brought to you by Fracture. We love Fracture and they wanted us to say a massive, ginormous, humongous thank you to all of you who have been giving Fracture a chance to print your favorite photos on the beautiful glass that they make to display in your home. Fractures are fantastic gifts and they're also just fantastic for yourself to find the photos that you really love, to dig them out of your devices and put them on show in your home. When you upload a photo to FractureMe.com, 
you position it, you choose the size that you want, and they will hand assemble and print and everything and put on put this lovely piece of glass with your photo printed right on it onto a piece of foam so it can be hung on the wall or displayed in your home. Fracture prints really are fantastic and they take great care over them. And mentioning that great care, every fracture is printed and hand assembled in their factory in Gainesville, Florida. So they wanted me to mention to all of you today that with the holidays coming up, they want to let you know to get your orders in as quick as possible. I know it's October, right? So you think the holidays, but Fracture gets super busy around this time of year. So if you're thinking about giving some fractures away as gifts this year, which you should be to family and friends, you should start making plans to get those orders in now so you'll be able to avoid disappointment. Fracture prints are great gifts, and I assure you that if you give your loved ones a beautiful photo that you've chosen on a fracture print, you will be very, very popular this holiday season. I also love seeing people, uh, they tweet their pictures of their fractures to me. Um, I love seeing that, so continue to do that. It's really fun, and I know that Fracture love it as well, so you can tweet to me and to Fracture, and they will be able to see the great photos that you have got printed out to display in your home. So head on over to FractureMe.com. You can learn more and get started right now, and if you use the code CONNECTED, you will not only get 15%, 15% of your first order, you'll also help support this show, which is very important to us. Thank you so much to Fracture for helping sponsor this week's episode and for supporting Relay. FM. So, new IMAX. Um, they came out today as we we're recording uh, on the 13th of October. Um, me and Jason had a great episode that went up when the embargo lifted of Upgrade, where uh, Jason gets to tell me about everything and I get excited and or angry, uh, depending on what he's telling me about. So you could go listen to that. It's Upgrade 58. I'll put that, a link to that in the show notes. And Jason, uh, he had some time with the new 21-inch Retina 4K iMac and all of the new Magic Input devices, and he's written a bunch of stuff up on the website. Uh, but I'm interested to know, Stephen, I'll start with you because you probably have more of an opinion uh, what you think of the announcements today? So I think I think it's a it's a it's a mixed bag. Um, starting with the twenty one inch Retina four K iMac that Apple's doing what they did with the five K, where it sits sort of above the rest of the models, and that, that's fine. That's how Retina has worked as they've introduced it and brought it down the line. Um, you know, it, it comes in at the top and then slowly works its way down. In fact. Today also marks the end of the non-Retina 27-inch iMac. You can only get that with a Retina display now. But I, the reason I say it's a mixed bag, the, those are great machines. The 21-inch still have Broadwell. The 27s have Skylake processors. But what kills me is, uh, once again, Apple is doing things to hit price points. Um, I haven't made it all the way through upgrade, but I imagine that a point that you guys made is that Apple basically operates around price points and at times they sort of bend their technology to hit a price point right so this this retina 21 half inch iMac is 14.99 but that gets you 8 gigs of ram and a terabyte 5400 rpm hard drive which is yeah. just pathetic um yeah, this was this was Jason's biggest uh bugbear with the machines and I agree uh you end up kind of making the whole experience worse by putting in a, a spinning drive into these machines. Absolutely. And I I appreciate that it's a 1499 machine. You know, they have uh, Apple's sort of bridge uh, technologies, the Fusion Drive, where if you're, if you're not familiar with it, it is a very small, and smaller now than it used to be, SSD coupled through the magic of software and core data. 
with a hard drive. And so you see it as one volume, OS ten sees it as one volume, and Core Data is clever and is like, well, put the OS and things you use a lot on the SSD and put other stuff with the hard drive. And um, I've used uh, a Fusion Drive machine before, not for any length of time, but you run into a situation where some things are faster than others and it can't always know what you want. And uh, I don't know, Like I'm, I'm not saying that Apple's got to put all SSD in this thing, but I think a Fusion Drive to start would have been good because, again, you have this beautiful machine. You know, it's 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 powerful, even with 8 gigs of RAM. It's, it's plenty of computer for a lot of people. And, um, and of course, storage, not core data, excuse me. Um, but it is, it's, it's really hamstrung by this drive. And, and even when you go to the 27 inch, the entry model has again, that one terabyte hard drive. Now uh, on the 27, at least it used to be, I'm assuming it's the same now they use, uh, three and a half inch drives where the 21s use the smaller laptop, uh, two and a half inch drive. So it's faster, but still it's a spinning disc. And I just refuse to boot from a spinning disc anymore. Like I know you guys have had the same experience, Federico, with what's left of your MacBook Air and Mike with your <laughs> with your Mac Pro and your MacBook Pro. Um like SSD is is magic and it's so much faster in just a hundred different ways. And I I just really like I, to buy an eighteen hundred dollar twenty seven inch iMac and for it to come with a hard drive is just it's just not a good move. I just think it's so strange that you put like a technology like a retina display into a machine and like which is a very new technology it's still kind of a futuristic technology right because not everything has it even though you know these iMacs are kind of one of the last bastions to fall in this scenario you put this technology in and then you still put a hard drive in it just seems so strange to me that you would do that it's obvious why they did it right but i i feel like my feeling is if the laptops can start with ssds the imacs should as well but jason's point which i see what you think about this Stephen, is apple know the data so they probably know that well i would assume maybe that they know the imac customers on average want more storage rather than a faster machine these modern cars they're super advanced and they have all these robotics inside and then you still need gas to drive yeah. a car. <laughs> yeah. yeah, they're still powered by fire. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Except, you know, spinning hard drives don't kill the planet, I think. Mm. Well, I don't know. Maybe there's some unrecyclable materials in there or something. Yeah, but, uh, to, but to your point, uh, I think that's right. I mean, uh, when I think about the iMac, I think of three types of users. Um the first one kind of being at home family users, and I think the you know iMacs have a big display. They're family computers. You know I could see putting a lot of pictures and movies and stuff on them. So yes, if I've got to choose between a terabyte hard drive or Fusion drive and a two hundred fifty six gig flash drive, then I think it does make more sense to have the additional storage. You know iMacs also end up in businesses. Uh, a lot of designers use iMacs. A lot of just like office people use if they're in a company that supports Macs use iMacs. And there again. You don't want to be worrying about juggling data around and everyone has to have an external hard drive or keep stuff on the server. It's nice to have storage space there as well. Um, and the third type of user that, that I see uh, is education, and especially this 21-inch iMac. Um, you know, These iMacs go into labs, they go into classrooms, um, where the 27-inch is just too big and too expensive. And so there, you know, $100 or $200 makes a difference if you're buying 35 iMacs. And so having that cheaper model be hard drive based again you get all the benefits of the additional storage and you keep the price point so 
it, it's one of those things where on paper it may make sense to to a lot of people. Clearly, it makes sense to Apple, but the feel of it is sort of wrong. Um, but to go with an SSD, you got to spend a bunch of money. And on the base twenty-seven inch, and I believe that twenty-one inch, the biggest you can go on a uh, SSD is five hundred twelve gigs. You can't get a terabyte SSD until you get to the higher end twenty sevens. And it's expensive. It's like nine hundred dollars. Um, I'm not complaining about that, but I think I think if you're buying one of these, you should set the money aside to to at least go Fusion Drive, but to go SSD if possible, because you're gonna get such a better experience, and the machine will age a lot better than with uh, a spinning hard drive in there. The um, only the lowest range twenty seven can't go to the terabyte. The two, the three, the, the kind of the two next ones it's difficult okay. to say what's different between them now because they all have basically the same processor but the the 1999 the 2299 you can put a terabyte in them okay um you know they all start with eight gigs of ram uh as i railed about years ago on a predecessor to this show the 21 inch imac the ram is sealed in so uh, if you're going if you want to upgrade your ram and the 21 inch you have to do it at purchase the 27 has an adorable little door on the back you can add more ram but uh again in buying systems today, it's been true with the laptops for a long time, but increasingly true with the iMac, buy for the future, right? So if, if you've got a budget um, and you can only buy so much machine, then like maybe you wait till your budget can expand if you plan on keeping this, you know, three, four, five years. And and from what I see, the iMac uh, life cycle is that long, especially in schools and businesses, uh, you will buy an iMac and and keep it for a long time. And Mike, I know that we're gonna get to it, but I think that's your plan with your new one. So you gotta you gotta think about this stuff now, maybe more than you used to. You know, it was different when every computer could be open. You could add RAM. You could add a bigger hard drive. Then when Apple skimped on this stuff to hit a price point, it it was a little more understandable. It's like, well, I can just go to Crucial and buy RAM. Well, now you got to think about that and, and be prepared for that. that. Might not be the case. It's the case in zero laptops now. None of Apple's notebooks can be open and RAM be added by a human being, and it's something to consider. I think if you're if you're uh, looking at a new computer right now. Um, any additional thoughts on the twenty seven? I mean, there isn't a lot a lot changed here. No, it's it's just bumps. Yeah, it's it's incremental. I mean, that display they're using uh, the P three color space, which I've read a little bit about. Basically, uh, it's a lot better spectrum than than the old displays. Um, it's a good machine, and we were talking before the show that if I had one office, I would be buying a machine today. Uh, you know, right now I have two spaces, and I'm going back and forth a lot, so I, I have a 15-inch MacBook Pro that I hook up to a bunch of stuff. But this computer is really tempting to me if I had just one desk in one place. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not enough to, like, go build a studio at home, but, you know, one day, uh, one day maybe I will. But... um. It's a great machine. If you're looking for an iMac, I mean, it's always nice to buy at the beginning of the cycle. And these these 5K machines uh, really seem like they're they're good computers. Yep, I have bought one. So what, um, what did you what did you uh, what did you get? So I went with the top of the line 27, um, and I've thrown some stuff in it. So I put I have a four the four gigahertz quad core Intel Core i7 in there. Um, I upgraded that. Um, I've got 16 gigabytes of RAM uh, and a terabyte of flash storage. So it wasn't cheap, but this is hopefully going to be my new machine. Yeah, I just built it as you said it. Um, what's nice about that is if you go to 16 gigs of RAM, they 
they only use two of the four RAM slots. You could buy a 16 gig kit a couple years from now if you needed a little more RAM. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's it's. Uh, I think you're going to be really happy with it. it. It seems like a like I said. I mean, I would I would own one if it made sense for me right now. So it's arriving next week when I'm away. So I'll, which is probably for the best that I don't have a new machine to play with and set up before uh, the trip because that just feels yeah. like I would be wasting time doing yeah. that. So that's a little present for me when I get home. Um, I did get with it the Magic Mouse Two and Magic Trackpad Two. Um, which and I will be getting the new Magic Keyboard as well. So this is three new peripherals that Apple have announced today, um, and none of them are really as magic as they seem, maybe except for the trackpad. Um, so the keyboard and the mouse and the trackpad are now all have rechargeable batteries in them, and they're recharged by uh, thunder uh, lightning lightning connectors. Um, which is fine, so you can charge them up from basically any charger that you have in your home because you've probably got lightning cables all over the place, like I do. Uh, so that's good. They have fast charging in some scenarios. The weird thing, like the mouse, the charging port is on the bottom, which is like very, very strange. But so you, you can to, get you got to like flip it upside down to charge it. Yeah, but you can get why? like uh, I know I don't know why, but apparently you can get. Uh, four hours of usage on a two-minute charge. So That's not too bad. <laughs> it's like the Apple Pencil in that regard. And then if you want the full charge, you have to charge it for a longer period, like overnight. So if you're running low, flip it over, go take a walk for five minutes, come back to your desk, and you're, you're good to go for the rest of the day. So, I mean, if you're going to do it, do it that way. And I expect, like, it was a scenario where they were like, we can do this fast charging, and it would be really, really useful design-wise um, and the way that we can put, pack the stuff into this thing if we put the connector on the bottom. So they've done it that way. Um, the new keyboard is not the horror keyboard from the MacBook. Uh, it doesn't have those new butterfly switches. It has the old switches, larger keycaps, and San Francisco font, and full-size function keys, which is strange. I, I noticed that in the picture. I assume that th- when they built this thing, they needed to be a set size for the battery or something. And so they yeah, just, they like, have more space. The keys That's probably what happened. So they they threw that in, and then it has a little lightning. Uh, it has a little. Oh, I keep getting confused. It's lightning, right? Lightning. Yes. yes, it has a little lightning connector on it. Jason loves the fact that when you plug one of these machines in, it pairs automatically. They're Bluetooth, right? But they, they, you don't need to go through the setup. You just plug it into your machine and it pairs automatically. And then you yeah, get to go. That's that's pretty nice. I mean, if you've ever paired like Bluetooth mouse keyboard, especially in like an office environment where there's a bunch of keyboards and mice floating around, it can be, it can be uh, troublesome. Yeah, uh, I, I will say I use the Apple wireless keyboard. Um, uh, I found it to be the most comfortable for me, and I, I've ordered uh, I ordered a new one to to give it a shot. I, I'm hopeful, you know, the pitch of it seems to be less, and it's shorter as well, uh, which should hopefully uh, make it a little bit better to type on. And uh, yep. I'm looking forward to trying it. I'm really glad they didn't go with the MacBook style uh, key switches, but you know, we'll see. Uh, I'm, I don't use the mouse or the trackpad, so like I I ordered a trackpad so I could talk about it. Um, and we actually use a Magic Trackpad on our Mac Mini at home that's hooked to the television, and it very recently like fell off the desk and it's broken. And so I will uh, end up putting a, a new Magic Trackpad uh, there, I guess, when I'm done playing with it. But uh, so the Magic Trackpad is the only input device that features Force Touch, so the mouse doesn't yeah, have it. I I don't. I don't know how they would. I mean, you could do it on the mouse, I guess. I mean, it's curved. I'm sure they could figure that out. But like the thought of like picking your finger up or, or 
moving your hand away where you could force touch down on a mouse seems strange. And it seems like out of the three, Magic Mouse 2 is like the, the smallest update. Like it's just the built-in battery and they say it like glides better. I don't know what that means. But um, the Magic Mouse did not get the same sort of update that, that the trackpad did. And, which leads me to a question. I'm going to see what you guys think about this. Um, when you go to order an iMac, so I'm sitting here with one in my cart. Uh, I need to be careful because it's very expensive. Um, it defaults to the Magic Mouse 2, and you can add the trackpad for $50 more. Is there a point where Apple just repl- switches that and the trackpad is the default? I mean, do you guys see that ha- making sense at some point in the future? I'm surprised they don't do it now, considering that the trackpad now has additional functionality, right? To, to OS ten in false touch that the mouse doesn't have. And considering how popular laptops are, it surprises me that they haven't just said like the trackpad's what you go for. And I think it you know, maybe the reason they didn't do it this time is because the trackpad's more expensive. Yeah, that's the only thing I can think of. Um if they were I think if they were the same price and you could just pick, I think the default would be the trackpad. So do I. Yep, definitely. People are upset about the prices. These things are expensive. Yeah. So yeah. the new trackpad is $129, which is that is a shocking price. Uh, and the Magic Mouse 2 is 79. 79 is really high, but you know that that doesn't make me feel as bad. $129 for a trackpad is is too expensive. Um I got it because I was already spending like 2000 no, nearly 3000 pounds on a computer. So it's like, well, at this point, like I'm already spending too much money, so I may as well spend the next bit of money. But just as like an add-on peripheral, like to a machine that you already own and have been using, uh, $130 is a lot of money. Yep. <laughs> I had that feeling today when I bought one. Um, it, uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems... You can buy an Apple TV with the same money. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a whole platform. Uh, that's kind of crazy. Yeah. Yeah, when you start comparing products like that, it it gets a little bit tougher, doesn't it? Like, oh, I can buy yeah. uh, which it was I mean, how much is the new Apple TV? Uh, 149? Yeah. So for around about the same price, you get the Apple TV which has the remote which has the false touch capability in the remote. <laughs> and you're like, "Ah, <laughs> what what's in this trackpad?" That is when you compare it to the Apple TV, that price is crazy. There's magic in it. Oh yeah, That's I didn't consider the magic for. part. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, and it, it's important know. to note too, as the chat room points out, these things support Bluetooth 4.0, and so if you have an older Mac, uh, you may be out of luck with these with oh. these devices. So something to uh, check up on before you order. That's one of those things that you just don't think about. Like, I wouldn't even think about that. Like, do I have the most up-to-date Bluetooth? Like, yeah, I mean, it, yeah. It, they've shipped with Bluetooth 4 for a while now. I mean, sure. I think like. Casey's old MacBook Pro that he he just replaced. I don't think would support it, but um, it's something that yeah. I mean, if you if your computer's a couple years old, I think you should be good. Um, and if even if you don't, uh, people on Twitter, I don't know if I've read it anywhere besides that. Apparently, you can use it um, with Bluetooth off if it's plugged in, if it's hardwired. Uh, hmm. I don't know if that's actually accurate or not, because people on Twitter were talking about it. So I thought I'd bring that up as well as, as maybe a possible solution if you if you have a older mac floating around yeah because the trackpad the lightning port is not on the bottom it's on the front 
Right, you couldn't use sense. the mouse, but you could use the keyboard and trackpad with little lightning uh, cables uh, out to them. So yep, yep. So yeah, there we go. That's kind of the stuff today. I'm looking forward to picking up my new iMac. Uh, I will say this now: if you are interested in buying a Mac Pro and a 25 inch Dell monitor, just let me know. Like I'm going to be selling this stuff, um, and I will have. I, I most likely will eventually put it on eBay, but I hate the thought of doing that. So if you're interested, contact me. Um, maybe over Twitter or via email or whatever. Uh, Mike at Relay.fm, and uh, we can talk about it. How many stickers are on the Mac Pro? None, but I can Perfect. put some on if it. No, will don't do that. It is completely um, clean. This thing, and it has been well taken care of. Uh, but I you can do the Mac Pro and the monitor for a good price. We can talk about it if you're interested. Cool. Mama's so, got to pay back that iMac price. Yeah, there is that. Um, so, uh, so Mike, you're ordering one. I mean, Federico, you had an iMac at one point. Or... I still have my iMac. Still do? Is it just sitting in a corner, like, with a shirt over yes. it? Okay. No, not sure. <laughs> but it, it is sitting in a corner in my parents' house. No one's touching it. It's just there accumulating dust every year and uh, i'm thinking that eventually i will have to buy a new mac because uh to record podcasts basically i'm not using my mac anymore everyone knows this story uh my macbook air slowly dying i had to buy a new magsafe this week because my old one also broke the cable just fell off and um it's dying it's like watching you know someone slowly fade away, which is a sad metaphor, but that's what's happening here. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, well, uh, eventually I will buy a MacBook, uh, but my money is on an iPad Pro next. So as long as this is able to go to the login screen and access my desktop, open Safari, Skype, and QuickTime and Slack, I will be fine. When the day comes that, you know, I can no longer do this, I will go to the Apple store and get a MacBook. Um, it's interesting to me to kind of watch everyone's reactions to these new computers. Um, they look like fantastic, fantastic machines, you know. Uh, Retina displays, powerful, new accessories, pricey but cool. I just... And I don't say this to sound like a pretentious guy just, you know, judging everyone, but I just don't care anymore. They're not the computers for me. As I imagine, Mac people don't care about the iPad Pro. Mm -hmm. It's just two, you know, on the same show, two completely different perspectives. That's interesting to me. Uh, I think, Mike, you're making the right choice to go with the with the iMac. Um, it, it is totally the computer for you, I think. Yeah. Um, especially because you haven't had a desktop right now, Mac. Um but yeah, uh, you know, this is not my 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 kind of stuff. I'm just waiting for a new iPad and uh, watching this MacBook uh, abandon me every day more and more. And mm -hmm. uh, we will have some kind of funeral, I guess, when when it when it's all over. Yep. We will sing a song. We will say goodbye. Give a twelve iPad salute or something. Uh, <laughs> there will be like a ceremony with all my iPads and iPhones say go saying goodbye, uh, but still holding up. New MagSafe, so it's kind of putting new juice into the MacBook. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, but, you know, the iMacs are cool, just not for me. I have to say, when I was transferring the money between my accounts today to, to buy this thing, I was looking at what was left in the iPad Pro fund, and I, and I was like, oh, 
Okay, <laughs> pay attention to that one. Oh uh, man, don't even mention it because I will have to buy an iPad Pro, uh, 64, cellular, smart keyboard, and pencil. And No 64, know, my friend, 32 or 128. Oh, no 60. Oh, yeah, 128 then. Um, yeah. <laughs> I can't believe that's starting at 32. Why not 64 and 128? Yeah, that's just stupid. You know, it's just stupid. Because I'm going to have no to get reason. the 128 because I can't live with a 32. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, just, and that's why know. they're doing it, Mike. Right? Yeah. You just explained it. I know. But it's disgusting. Um, and then I have to get the pencil and the keyboard. It's gonna, I'm basically going to be bumping up against iMac price again. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, you know, you won't be able to record podcasts on it, Mike. That's true. I had a, a thought about the iPad Pro yesterday. Uh, my wife and I spent the weekend out of town and we're driving back. Yesterday, in the second half of the drive, she drove. Um, I had a, my email situation was out of control, so I just sat... In the passenger seat with a uh, my iPad, which is on uh, AT and T, and just like did some email on my iPad Air two, and uh, definitely felt like a Federico moment uh, of working in the car. But also, I, I definitely had the moment. Yes. I was like, man, an iPad Pro would be really nice right now. Just like bigger screen, split view. My wife driving, so I can get work done on yes, an iPad. Exactly. That's the dream, Stephen. Yeah. So I I had the I had the thought of like I've gone from not interested in the iPad Pro to like. I might check it out. So we'll guess we'll see how that goes. But I, I definitely um, just had a moment yesterday. I was like, man, bigger iPad would be awesome right now. Yeah, I, I'm I, I'm definitely becoming more interested. I can attest to the fact of how uh, productive Stephen was. I think he sent more things to me than he has done in the entire week. So you definitely do a lot of work when you're at that thing. Uh, are you saying, Mike, that you that you want to convince your girlfriend to drive you around? So you can get work done and reply to emails? No, I, I can reply to emails from wherever I am. I don't need to be driven around in a car to do it. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm very productive. If you only had the email client that you're looking for, Mike. Please, let's not <laughs> talk about that right now. <laughs> Too soon. I don't, want to get, I don't want to get into that. I really don't want to get into that. It's horrible. I have three apps giving me push notifications right now. Oh, my God. Why? Oh, it's because I'm trying just... to... I'm just, it's, uh, <laughs> But, but at least there are not the notifications for two of them. There's well, no, because I'm also testing the the, the notifications. Like, oh, I'm that's a bit too much, Mike. That. You're going too far. Like, notifications are still the same notifications. You'd, you'd like to think so, wouldn't you? I know so. You're just doing too much, Mike. I'm sorry. Stephen, take us home. I think that's it for this week uh, connected but you do the show closing so i don't know what to say we're just done just i wanted to test you to see if you could pick it up but you really couldn't so i i can't do it you you got an f on that one if you want to find the show notes for this week it's not difficult you just go to relay.fm slash connected slash 61 if you want to find us all online there's some great places to do that you can find federico's work over at maxstories.net and stevens over at 512pixels.net if you want to find us all on twitter also very very simple you can find at Vitici v-i-t-i-c-c-i on twitter and as me and steven mentioned at the top of the show we both put silly eyes in our names so steven is i-s-m-h and i am i-m-y-k-e on twitter Thanks again to our great sponsors for this week's episode, the lovely people over at Fracture, Igloo, and Braintree for helping make this episode possible. Most of all, thank you for listening. Don't forget to download the Relay FM apps. You can join us live every week and also see when we're going to be streaming via our shows page where you get a lovely schedule. So until next time, thanks for listening. Say goodbye, guys. Arrivederci. Adios.